This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. Now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Yes, yes, I am home. I am home. I am home. One more time recording from home in Mason, Michigan, because you never know where I'm going to be. I mean, I could be uh, I could be in a park somewhere sitting up on a table. As long as I can plug in, we can record and talk about the blues, can't we? Always. <laughs> well, I am your host, Jim Irvin. Thank you so much for joining us on Time Signatures. And once again, it is my pleasure to welcome the very first president of the Capital Area Blues Society. Uh, her name is Bonnie, please call me Queen B. Stebbins, and also Ron Eggleston, who, Ron, you served as a secretary, as a reviewer. You did kind of all kinds of stuff, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there was there was so much. We, we talked about a great deal uh, in the first episode but there was so much left uncovered that we hadn't talked about yet that we had to have a second helping. And I'm not convinced that we don't have enough for a third, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're just going to do two today. This is the second episode uh, with this one. And I have a feeling we will definitely get together again and, um, and talk about some more stuff. As a matter of fact, Bonnie, I'm thinking I want to do a show with past presidents. Mm. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Talk yeah. about the different things. But uh, let's let's turn our attention to to what we're doing right now. Queen Bee, through the years, you have become quite the historian of the blues, especially in the, the greater Lansing area. Now, I've seen the collection that you've amassed in these beautiful binders, uh, having had an opportunity to scan some of the newsletters in them. I did not dig through the rest of it, but I was really impressed with these great big binders that were just full of everything, including notes and everything else. Having seen these, I have to ask you, what are you doing with all of this incredible history? Well, I probably have over 60 years worth plus because... And she's not joking, folks. I've seen the binders, okay? (laughs) Well, those are, you know, just the, the tip of the iceberg, of the blues iceberg. Because of my connection with the blues and how I felt they really saved me from a dysfunctional family... And I felt a a really deep commitment to preserving, chronicling, documenting anything and everything about the blues. So whether I'm carrying my little Radio Shack cassette recorder and recording things, because I'm not into tech. (laughs) And and when I started doing the recordings, that's pretty much what you had available. Remind me, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Remind me to show you this little gadget after we get done. (laughs) Basically, this is a handheld version of what you're seeing here on the desk but uh, this is okay. this is today's version of the cassette recorder so go ahead <laughs> okay well i might want to get one of those but but you know i mean taking copious notes and copious photographs oh, and yeah. i had a camera with me to everything we did and and just just drinking in everything i could um about blues now i i would come home from an event i would have like chicago blues festival or or mid-michigan blues festival that we had at jambalaya's or or even the one at the riverfront park 
and I would I would put all my memorabilia, programs, tickets, wristbands, you know, flyers that I would pick up for other blues bands that were announcing gigs sure. and or clubs or anything. And they would all go into this nine by twelve envelope and just be, you know, okay, I'll put that here. No organization whatsoever with all this stuff because I had no plan what to do with it. I just knew that I needed to preserve it. And then when I got diagnosed with lung cancer in 2014, it dawned on me the night before I went in for surgery to have half a lung removed, I thought, you know, if I don't make it, what's going to happen to not only all the blue stuff in my house, but everything in my house? Sure, sure. And so I decided that I've got to start making plans to see if I can find a good home for these. And as a subscriber to Living Blues Magazine, which I I think is billed as the oldest blues magazine continuously in publication. Mm -hmm. But the contemporary issues always have, well, have frequently had ads, I think an eighth of a page ad for... If you've got blues memorabilia, photographs, records, uh, CDs, anything about uh, the blues, they want it at the University of Mississippi Blues Archives Special Collections. Very cool. So I contacted them, and before you knew it, we were on board. And I think in 2019, I started shipping things to them. Or maybe 2018 was the first time, first few shipments went out. And then, unfortunately, COVID hit, and because the library's special collections is not used that often, they shut those departments down. And so I wasn't able to ship anything for a couple of years. And, but I do um, photograph pretty much everything and then write a detailed listing, and I'm actually deeding these items to the Blues Archives. And then I had also contacted Chicago once I learned about them having a blues archives and so all my chicago material is going to them and same thing about um starting to ship items to them but i have so many more shipments i need to make now obviously you know my next question was going to be do you feel like you've done your part to help keep the blues alive (laughs) you've pretty much answered that question by what you just said Ron, how do you feel, man? Do you feel like you've been a good steward of the blues and and keeping it alive? <laughs> well, I've I guess I've tried, but uh, there's something more from what um, Bonnie's talking about because I'm I'm a member of the Greater Lansing Historical Society, uh-huh. and uh, she has a lot of material blues related and some other things that are local things that uh, we are talking with uh, Bonnie about uh, that we are going to find a good home that will be here in Lansing where people can access it for music in the Lansing area. In fact, next year, right now, the schedule is uh, that there's going to be uh, the focus for the blue, the historical society next year is music in Lansing, all kinds okay. of music. Sure. So I'm working, that's part of the things I have these notes here is starting to write up a history of the blues in the Lansing area and probably will be doing a program on that next year. But uh, a lot of the materials that Bonnie has, and specifically like these newsletters and the notes and all that, that's going to be here in a, a local repository in Lansing so that people can look at that material. Uh, so that, that's a really a good thing there. I, yeah. think, I think it's really cool that, um, first of all, that I was given an opportunity, and I want to thank both of you mm-hmm. because you were both instrumental in me having an opportunity 
to scan those old newsletters. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so much fun to go back and look. Yes. I mean, some history. I mean, when yeah. Bill Malone yeah. joined uh, the Root Doctor Band, yeah. um, when B.B. King came to play at Michigan State. Michigan State. And Bobby Bill, Bland. <laughs> and, and Bill got to sit with him <laughs> and spent almost two hours talking to this guy. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, he had people out there mean-facing him and giving him the finger <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and it was just such a cool experience to hear and it, it makes me it makes me sad because I'm a I'm a late comer to the game, even though I've been a blues fan a good part of my life. Yeah, I I even sent my mom to see BB King several years ago, <laughs> right. and um, it it's so cool to know that Lansing was such a big part of that, you know, and and we brought in some big names back in the day, and that's I think that's why I want to see some of that happen again. Right. Yeah, you know? well, Ron had mentioned earlier about Mariah coffee house at the Erickson Kiva on the campus mm -hmm. of Michigan State and they were bringing in I have a and I didn't know Ron said he remembered seeing Muddy Waters I didn't remember that until I looked at a poster on the wall in my one of my rooms that I turned into an office okay and there's a poster of of Muddy Waters there's a poster of John Lee Hooker autographed oh wow and was Muddy's uh, autographed too I don't think so. I'm okay. going to have to, it's, you know, up on the wall on the side. And, and a poster of Coco Taylor was there. Um, oh, man. And it was just amazing. Um, she might have been at Rick's, but I, I know there are three of them. The Coco Taylor one is also autographed by all the band. Wow. But they were bringing in big names back then, and it was mm -hmm. amazing. And and they had good crowds, and, and that's really, you know, a part of the getting all that going. So And the support that it was there already yeah absolutely you know i i, I want to turn the page here just a little bit um we talked briefly we touched briefly on the uh the blues events that went uh went on in the the blues fest that happened at adato park but you guys were kind of uh leading the charge a little bit to bring the michigan which it wasn't the michigan blues fest originally was it it was well we started with mid michigan blues fest okay. and it was held at jambalaya's okay on the grounds of the restaurant out on lake uh, lake round lake it round was round lake, lake. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah out in langsburg and it was two or three years i think 96 97 98 maybe um and then i think the first couple of years it was called mid michigan blues festival then it went to michigan blues festival and then after um, Terry Terry uh, from the Old Town Business Arts and Development Association, okay. Bada for short, had contacted us to see um, if we would work with him and bring a blues fest to Old Town in Lansing. Mm -hmm. And we, I guess, declined to do that the first year and continued with one more year at Jambalaya's location. And then the following year, I believe it was 2003. Okay. Um, that we worked with Terry Terry and Abada to bring a put on a blues fest in Old Town. Lansing. The rest is history. It's yeah. been there ever since. Yeah, absolutely cool. Yeah, and and we've we've seen some really cool, really good up and coming artists come in. Uh, the thing that I like about what Terry does is um, when he brings people in, the they have to do one original, original. song. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool because they always announce that they're doing, hey, here's the original song that Terry tasked us with doing. And so you get to hear some new stuff. And it's yeah. it's never a dull moment 
at those events. And that's what yeah. I enjoy about it. Yeah. Absolutely. So at what point uh, did the Capital Area Blues Society start getting involved with the blues brawl, the, the, the international oh my blues goodness. competition? Uh, again, and I have to uh, attribute a lot of it to Ray Alshire and... Um, who was the chef at Jambalaya's? Dave Circo. Oh, no, no. no be- oh, Sean, Sean, Sean Bray. Sean Bray Beauvais. Uh, Beauvais, yeah. yeah. See, this is why I got you guys together, because you <laughs> feed off of each other. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I have to, because I, I couldn't find my notes with, <laughs> with names and dates and everything. But that was 1996. Mm-hmm. We worked, we cabs, worked with um, Michigan Festival the Michigan on campus. Michigan Festival, yes. Okay, I remember that. I do remember Michigan Festival on campus. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not even sure. Michigan State University, East Lansing. I don't know who all put it on. The the MSU Museum did that. It was part of uh, Michigan's what 150th anniversary or something Ah. like that. They started. Yep. A series of that rings a bell. There were about ten years that they ran festival, and they brought in. Major talents. Uh, I mean, uh, the only time I ever saw Ray Charles and yeah. saw Johnny Cash, and I yeah. saw, and that was the only time I ever saw Aretha. You know, there, yeah. there, but there was a lot. And the the biggest one <laughs> was Hoodie and the Blowfish. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> that was the biggest crowd they ever had. But oh wow, um, that. Uh, but they they agreed to have let Cab set up a separate stage. Uh, and we had the the first uh, blues. It wasn't called the blues brawl was, at that time, but no blues uh, talent competition. Blues talent competition, okay. which is pretty interesting because that's only not even two years after the organization yes. started. You know, yes. uh, no, I'm just sitting here thinking about that. Yes. It's like wow, yes. it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, amazing. Uh, there's there's two two things that are big. I think that happened there. Okay, one is starting in January of '96, the Capitol Hill Station opened up as a blues venue. There were a lot of different blues venues in the area. But yes, this were. certainly this suddenly became the place to go for blues in the area. And a lot of people came and did jams there. Um, right. The first uh, jam was held in October of 95 at Green Door and the uh, Mike Daniels band, the Smooth Daddy kicked that off and there was uh, Ray and his uh, band, the, those Delta Rhythm Kings, did one after that, and other people came and, and did it. And then when the things, the meeting shifted over to the Capitol Hill Station, there were a lot of different people that got involved in the jams, and a lot of bands formed because of that. Wow. With that going on, people said, well, why don't we have a contest and, and, and send people off to uh, to Memphis, you know, so that's that's how it got tied in with the Michigan Festival. Okay, uh, but uh, that was also the time that Bonnie and a few other folks got together and Jim Flynn and said, "Well, we should, we want to have more national acts coming in here," mm-hmm. and they started underwriting that, and it was in no time at all, <laughs> you had a steady stream of national acts appearing at the Capitol Hill Station. Uh, it was uh, astounding to me. There were like two or three a, a, a week. You know, you yeah. could get wow. regional or national sure. acts. Uh, and uh, I lived not too far away, and my wife began to complain. I was out three <laughs> nights a week, <laughs> and I had to go to work the next day. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm going to stop you because you, you mentioned a key point that I want to talk about for a minute. 
you guys talked about Jim Flynn previously. You mm-hmm. talked about him on the first episode. Right. Jim Flynn is the guy that's known as Mr. Blues in the city of Lansing. Right. Um, the stories I've heard about this guy, he spent literally thousands of dollars yeah, out of his own yeah. pocket. He drove down to, to bring people. It wasn't just about, he didn't just talk about it. <laughs> he, tell me about this guy. Yeah. Well, he, he was friends with a lot of guys. Anson Funderburg was one. Uh, Smoking yeah. Joe Kubek was yeah. another one. Ronnie Earl, he, he talked about Ronnie Earl calling in the middle of the night and talk to him. <laughs> um, but he, <laughs> it was funny, though, because he would say, he'd be listening to him, I like this. I like this band a lot. <laughs> there wasn't a band he didn't like a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went to uh, down to Ann Arbor with him a few times to see uh, acts down there at the, at the Ark. There were some blues acts that came in there, okay. too. But he would drive to Texas. He would go to Chicago. He would go to Detroit, whatever. If there was somebody that he wanted to see, he would take off and, and go. Wow. But, but he was such a, a great supporter of the blues. And like you say, he put his money where his mouth was. Uh, he would, he had many acts that came into the, um, uh, into the green door. I think the last visit in town with Anson and uh, with his uh, vocalist that came through uh, he died soon after that um, with Anson Funderburg, and he was up there dancing with everybody. <laughs> um, so, but, but Jim was was a great supporter of the blues, uh, and he made it made it possible for a lot of a lot of us to see national acts that came through. And and he is still with us. He is still out there. I yeah. see him occasionally around yeah. Lansing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's it's, a blues event. He'll be there. It's yeah. a it's a real treat. Well, he came out to um, he came out to see mixed flavors, and I think he came out to see the Lash with mm. Mike Flint and Mike Lynch mm. and some of the guys. Mm. And I mean, you know, and he's fun, yeah, yeah. but you can just see the passion. Yeah. And and even though he's he's advanced in years, mm. he's still very much involved. And like you said, if it's the deal with the blues, right. he comes yeah. out and. And, and joins, and I think that's really cool. And you should give a big shout out to to Big Dave too, because Big, Big Dave yes, really sir. is his chauffeur, and he really helps him out a lot. He gets him to where he wants to go. I've, yep, I've taken a lot of rides with Big Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I there's God, there's another episode right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I need to ask you guys, um, and Bonnie, I'll start with you. Uh, in your years with the Capillary Blues Society. I, I want to get a, a little insight here. Was there one artist that you remember as being truly mem- memorable for their performance? And I, I have a feeling I know what yours is going to be, Ron, but Bonnie? No, I, there's everyone is memorable for their performance. It's, your question reminds me of, because um, I've gone to the Chicago Blues Festival for 35 sure. years out of 40. Uh, and of course, they didn't have two uh, in 20 and 21. So... People would say, well, was this your best Chicago Blues Festival ever? No, this was the best Chicago Blues Festival because it was so unique and because these were the certain performers that were there. But every performer just brings what they've got. And, you know, Bobby Rush is one of the... Year after year, he wins Entertainer of the Year from the Blues Foundation, their Mm -hmm. Blues Music Awards. And 
and I have to vote for him year after year because he is the best entertainer. <laughs> and I have interviewed him. I've um, gone to his sisters in Jackson. I've helped him promote. He would, it hasn't been a few years, but for about 15, 20 years, he would come up to Jackson, Michigan from Jackson, Mississippi, and do a show there that his sister would get organized at some big venue and often had his dancing girls with him. Um, which, Shaking their booty. Which you, uh, he was at he, Jambalaya's one year. He, I was going to say, yes, and he, um, because I suggested him, <laughs> and that was a kind of a debate because he th- because with the dancers and some of his songs could be a little risque, but <laughs> you know it's the blues. Come on, lighten yeah. up. But he was, um, yeah. So he was fabulous. But anybody I've ever seen, for so many reasons, because they are just each person unique, each band unique, each band different sound. You just have to absorb it all, and so that everybody is fabulous. Everybody's the best. Okay, well spoken. Hey, uh, you are listening to Time Signatures with Jim Irvin. My guests are uh, Bonnie, please call me Queen B. Stebbins, and also Ron Eggleston. We are so pleased to have you guys with us. And I, I usually do this about halfway through, but there, there's been so much discussion that I just forgot. So forgive me. Um, Ron, how about you? Well, I can't pick one. Um, not yeah. even, not even one. You were telling me about one while we yeah. were on break, and you yeah, can't. Thornetta Davis uh, <laughs> in downtown uh, a few years ago. That was an awesome performance. Um, I think I, if I put number one event would be when James Harmon came to Capitol Hill Station. Uh, he is probably my favorite, uh, and he just put on an awesome performance there. Um, I, I've probably seen Mark Hummel more than any other blues p- performer. Uh, first time I saw him at Capitol Hill Station was was amazing. I'd never heard of him. The one that that really ties in with Jim Flynn is um, uh, Mike Morgan and the Crawl were scheduled to play out at Jambalaya's, and the band came in, but the Lee McBee, who was their vocalist harpist, uh, had some problems of some illness in the family or whatever, so he couldn't come in with them. He came in late. And Jim drove to the airport and brought Lee over. And he, and Mike had played a couple numbers, and everybody was, oh, yeah, this is pretty good, this is pretty good. And Lee McBee got on the stage, and he, <laughs> he started singing. I mean, three, three sounds out of his voice, and the whole place was going crazy. He, he was the most magnetic, charismatic player, uh, singer. Uh, he was awesome. And he put on a wonderful performance. Uh, that that one is really a, a lot of things. But there's a lot where you say, "Geez, I'm glad that I was I was there." You know, yeah. Johnny Bassett was a wonderful performer. Uh, there was a night at um, Leroy's, a little bar on South Cedar, <laughs> and uh, Harry Ullman was pr- promoting a series there, and they had his friend. Uh, shoot, I'm just drawing a blank on it. Um, a harp player came in and, and Yakety Yak was there. And, okay. and he was yakking in the background. And the next thing you know, he jumped up and he started playing. They were playing back and forth. <laughs> and it was just a nice crowd and everybody was having a great time. It's just one of those things where I'm just glad I'm here. You know, I'm glad I got to see this. You know, it was fun. So, uh, but but I say if I would, just to pick one, I would, I would say... Uh, 
James Harmon. Uh, probably number two would be seeing Muddy Waters. <clears throat> number three was when I was still teaching. I was up at Alma College. I actually got to see Howlin' Wolf. Oh, uh, and uh, the first time I saw B.B. Uh, King, I was at Alma College, too. That was a great experience. But there, it's hard just to say one. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could just keep on going with this. We've almost burned up another episode. Can you guys believe no, this? No way. It's, yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, as, as we get ready to wrap up here, I just want to take a minute, and I want to ask both of you the same question. Um, Bonnie, I'm going to start with you. What advice do you have for future blues fans who are interested in working with the Capital Area Blues Society? Well, if you love the blues, even if you don't love the blues, just if you love live music, just get involved. Um, I'm sure you have some kind of talent, whether it's a writer, photographer, newsletter, editor, treasurer, you know, any kind of position. Just they can always use volunteers and it really is a worthy cause, number one. And number two, they'll get so much out of it. They'll get much more out of it than what they give to their participation. I have to agree with that. Oh, see, I, I <laughs> as a volunteer yourself. I've, I've been on the board for almost two years, and, wow, I, and yeah. I agree. It gives so much back. Yeah. It really does. Ron, how about you? Well, I was just looking at the message that Bonnie gave to the first meeting and said, "What? why should we have a an organization and she said we we want to encourage the blues in more venues we want to collaborate with other blues um, societies uh, we want to pursue grants for activities such as blues in the schools programs I don't know if those still go on anymore and try to get sponsors uh, corporate sponsors or businesses uh, to support so we could have more uh, blues in the area and the blues is in a little bit of a recession right now. I'd like to see some people stirring up uh, some activity to get more yes. blues going yes. on. And uh, I think that the organization could, could do that. Uh, yeah. Queen Bee, Ron, it has been a pleasure, not just once, but twice. And uh, I believe there's enough on the table here that we can come back again and, and have another plate and talk again. Um, but I want to thank you both for spending, spending time with us on this episode and um, encourage you, if you have not gotten involved, you should get involved. I agree 120%. And it would be nice to see some more people get involved with the Capital Area Blues Society and step up and, uh, and offer to be a part of it because it's a great time. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of Time Signatures. We will see you around the bend. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive.